Well, good morning, church. I hope you had a great week this week, Thanksgiving week. It's an incredible thing. And can we just pause for just a moment to reflect on that God is so good, isn't he? He's so good. And I hope you got a chance to experience that through friends and family around you this week, or just in the opportunity to just stop and recognize God's goodness, his favor, his blessing in your life, his love for you. Because when you do, when you take time to reflect on God's goodness, I believe it changes everything. It changes everything that you go through. It changes who you are. It changes you from the inside out when you take time to reflect on how good God is. As I took time to reflect on how, God, how good God is this week, one of the things that came to mind is how good choice is. The capacity that we get to make choices, like just in God's goodness that he gave us the ability to make choices is a wonderful thing. And of course, we saw that in Genesis that God gave Adam and Eve the choice and we have the choice like they did. We get to choose God or, and to live for him or we can choose to live for ourselves. And sometimes the, the consequences of our choices are heavy, but God has also blessed us with the choice in little things. The choices of variety to choose from lots of little things, whether or not you enjoy little things. Like I know there's a big craze going on right now. It's the Topo Chico craze, okay? It's all about the sparkling water. Now I personally, I don't get it. Um, I, I'm not a sparkling water kind of guy. I don't know why I need bubbles in my water. I just like it straight out of the sink, okay? Um, I used to drink it from the hose, and it was good, right? Um, but but it, is, it is an interesting thing. It's just that when the bubbles are in there, I expect there to be flavoring, like Coke or something like that, you know, some syrup or whatever. But, but it is a big thing, and maybe there is just someone down here in the front who needed a couple Topo Chico's to get their day off right today. Is there anybody on here who wants a Topo Chico right here? Here we go, a couple Topo Chico's right there. There you go, okay? There you go. Take both of them give one to a neighbor. I know he wanted one too. Oh, there you go. All right. Couple Topo Chico's. Right now, I don't know, but you know what's so great about God is that he cares about the little things and maybe they just needed a Topo Chico, but I do have to apologize because I forgot to give you a can opener. So <laughs> maybe you can use the back of the seat in front of you. Don't do that. Okay. I'm just kidding. But, um, but, but it is interesting because on the perspective of me having given them a Topo Chico, but having forgotten to give them a can opener, if I'm being honest, I didn't forget. It was actually just a part of the illustration, so thank you. Um, but in general, in apologizing for it, they might say, you know what, no big deal. Because after what you did, the generosity of giving me a Topo Chico, we can find a bottle cap opener, it's no problem. We're just thankful for the act. And sometimes that's how we respond, right? Have you ever had someone who did so much for you? They did something for you that you couldn't possibly repay them for. And yet at the end of it, they found some way to apologize to you. Maybe you've had a boss or a mentor who's invested into your life in a powerful way. Or maybe you're a teenager who's had a parent investing in you in a powerful way. Or maybe as an adult, you sit here and you recognize that you are where you are because of some parents who invest into your life in a powerful way. And they did so many things for you and invest in your life in such a powerful way that you know there's no way you'd be able to repay them for all that they've done for you. And yet maybe in some shape, form, or fashion, you were trying to reach out to them in some moment of need you had in your life and they weren't able to be there for you, they missed a text message, and then they responded and said something along the lines of, I am so sorry that I didn't get your text message, that I didn't respond in a prompt manner, and you were able to say something along these lines. I don't know if these words have ever come out of your mouth, they have mine, of where you're able to say, are you kidding me? After all you have done, it's easy 
to say, I forgive you. In fact, it's actually a blessing to get to forgive you for something because uh, it just reminds me that at least you're human, right? Like, because I've been feeling like I need to repay you on some level. And so just being able to do this little thing of telling you it's all right is no big deal. And maybe for you, it's been something of, of where it's been someone who's worked for you. It's an employee or it's a, a, a kid uh, in your family, a child who's worked like crazy doing chores around the house or whatever. And at the end of working hard all day, maybe they broke something or did something and they came to you and they said, mom, dad, I am so sorry. As I was cleaning the entire house, I ended up breaking this thing. And you're able to say, hey, listen, no problem. Matter of fact, it's an honor to get to stop and tell you that the thing that matters the most is just the love that you demonstrated for us and you're being willing to do that. A lot of you are like, I wish my teenager would do that, right? Um, now, now, I had a similar experience, but it was, you know, one of the things that we do in the student ministry is we take hundreds of kids, now thousands of kids to Florida every year for a thing that we call Beach Week in the summers. It's our summer camp program. And as a part of the summer camp program, a big part of the camp experience is having to get there early and set up for all these kids that are coming. Well, now this year, when the early team went down, one of the leaders who was kind of new to the ministry came and joined us there to be a part of the early team in the early setup. And I'm telling you, he was just one of those kind of kids who had been raised by his parents to work hard. And boy, did he. I mean, he would, we were out working in the Florida heat on the beach in the middle of summer, and we were putting in these 12-foot metal poles to hold up our wooden beach signs, and you had to drive them six feet into the sand. And he took on the whole project by himself, and it's just working it. And I come over and work with him, and after 20 minutes, I'd need to go get a Gatorade or something or go find some shade for a minute. And he just would not quit. He just kept on working it and working it and working it. And every time i come back, I was amazed at what he had done as I would go check on other projects or work on this or work on that or just try to get out of the heat in general. Um, but he just kept going. And so at the end of it, after he'd been out there all day, I'm talking about eight hours in the heat, he came to me at the very end of the day and he had a broken metal pole in his hands. And I'm telling you, he, his eyes were filled with water as if he was on the verge of tears because he was so invested in believing in what God was gonna do that week that he came to me and he said, Mark, I am so sorry that I broke this metal pole. That was like a $3 pole from Ace Hardware, right? But I was like, and so, but it was such a, it was so incredible. It was such a, a blessing for me to get the opportunity to say, hey dude, I know you broke the pole, no problem. We can go to Ace Hardware where we can repair that, but let me take this opportunity to tell you how thankful I am for everything you've done today. This is easy for me to say thank you to. And you see, it was, it's easy to say thank you because I was so focused. It was easy to focus on all he had done that day. You see, what I believe is that that same principle applies to us spiritually that when we focus on all that Christ has done for us, when we stay focused on who he is and what he has done for us and what he has brought into our life, then when things don't go our way, when we find ourselves in the middle of a difficult circumstance, we're able to look at Jesus Christ, we're able to look at our circumstance and be able to say to God, you know what, after all you have done for me, it's easy to continue to be thankful, to be able to be grateful in this moment. We get to choose to be thankful unless you don't unless you don't get to choose. Now, why would you not get to choose whether or not you are grateful? Habits, ugh, habits. When I was a teenager, I had the bad habit that if someone touched my face, you were gonna get a rage monster, okay? As a teenager, I did, I struggled with acne, I think that was a part of it, and insecurities about my face, so if someone touched my face, I don't know, it just was like, it would bring out a side of me that I'm not proud of. I was frustrated, I was angry, and it was something that it was built into me because of my insecurities that it wouldn't happen, it didn't really matter who it was, it was, an, it was an involuntary response of anger, of frustration, of bitterness, of whatever that would flow from me that didn't reflect what I know Christ calls me to be and was calling me to be that time. But there was a lot of hormones at that time as a teenager, right, that were overshadowing my choice. 
And on some level, maybe you've made a decision before in your life when you responded negatively to someone. Maybe you did so this week with family and friends around for Thanksgiving where someone did something, they said the wrong thing at the wrong time and you responded negatively. And when someone said, what were you doing? You said, you know what, I had no choice. Yes, you did. You know you did. We always do. The problem is that sometimes we don't feel like we have a choice because our choice gets overshadowed by habit, by an involuntary response to respond to the flesh instead of responding to the spirit. But if we're gonna choose to be grateful, we have to stay connected to how gracious and how, and how good our God is. There's a story that Jesus told to a, a, a Pharisee who had invited him into his home. And, and many times when Jesus hung out with the Pharisees, they were looking for a way to trap him or they were inviting him in, but they looked down upon him and they were inviting him to their house really from a, from a place of, of privilege. And they had very nice houses and they were using the church in many cases to make a profit for themselves. And Jesus was, you know, and his disciples were normally in many cases living meal to meal from what they had earned and wages and things that they had done or things, gifts that they had received. And so uh, Jesus was invited into the house of Simon, one of the Pharisees, to come and to hear more about this Jesus who had all this influence and who he had heard so much about and the things that he was doing. And so he invited him to his house. And while he was there, a woman came in whom the Lord had worked an incredible miracle in his life and she needed God's continued favor in her life. And she would recognize that when she came to Jesus, she was so grateful for what he had done in his life that she began to uh, uh, cry at his feet and began to wash his feet and wipe his feet with her hair and pour perfume on her hair. And the attitude of the Pharisee was this, if Jesus knew the kind of lifestyle that this woman's been living, he would never let her touch his feet. And that was his mindset. And so Jesus began to tell Simon this story. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? As he begins to try to change his mindset. Jesus told him this story. You can read along with me on the screens or in your program or in your word. It says two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up. There must have been a turn in the economy. And so the banker canceled both debts. Wouldn't that be nice to have that mortgage canceled out? <laughs> Which of the two, Jesus asked Simon, would be more grateful? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then he pointed out the way that the woman was treating him versus the way that Simon had treated him from the time he had gotten to his house. And Jesus finished with this statement in Luke 7, 47. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we know as a church that we're able to say that because you first loved us. You made a way for us to be able to be connected to your love intimately through what you were willing to endure on the cross. And we love you for it. We're so thankful. We're so grateful for who you are and what you're doing in our life. God, we pray that you would help us this morning to be able to soften our hearts and let your word and the power of your Holy Spirit transform us and change us from the inside out that we might be able to leave this place forever changed, having regained the blessing, the privilege of choice that you've given us, the ability to choose to be grateful by letting you change us from the inside out. We love you and we need you. We pray you'd speak into our lives in a powerful way. And God, please speak through me. Help me just continue to get out of the way and let your word flow through me. We love you. In your son's name we pray, amen. You can be seated, thank you. What a crazy story of the, that Jesus chooses to share with Simon. He begins to point out to him, he says, listen, the, really the difference in your attitude of gratitude comes from whether or not you recognize that someone has met a great need in your life. 
And I believe that we'll see further in Scripture that really the, the principle of, of thankfulness comes from being connected to who Christ is, being connected to who he is and what he has done for your life. And if you, like Simon, have the perspective of, you know what, um, I'm pretty sure that I'll make it to heaven because I'm a pretty good guy. On some level, I feel like God has to let me in heaven because of all the good things that I've done for him. Well, then in many cases, the principle of seeing all of the good things that the Lord done has, is doing or has in your life, it's gonna be difficult to be grateful because on some level, you're gonna feel like, I, I kind of deserve it. I kind of have earned this. I kind of feel like this is something that's been coming my way because of the choices that I've made or because of this donation that I made or because of this thing that I did. It's something that I've earned. But if your perspective is, you know what? I know that I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I accept what it says in Romans and Ephesians when it talks about me being dead in my trespasses. That apart from God, I was dead. There was no life in me. I was, I was uh, destined for a life, an eternity, completely separated from God because of my sins. The wages of my sin was death. And he made a way for me to be brought back to life, to not just redeem my 90 or so years here on earth, but to bring me into eternity. And furthermore, beyond eternal life, the quality of life of being able to move into a connected relationship with him that I could not have done on my own. When we take time to reflect on the goodness of God, it changes everything that we think about and how we think about it. When we're connected to his goodness, it's easier to choose to be grateful. So what does it start with? If we wanna change our attitude, it starts with being grateful for the perfect gift. Being grateful for the perfect gift. And the perfect gift is easy to point to and reflect on gift giving and the season, uh, the holiday season, the Christmas season that we're entering into. But obviously the perfect gift is the gift of Jesus Christ who came and humbled himself. In Philippians, it talks about him having emptied himself into a man and took on the state of a man and humbled himself and came not to be served, as Jesus said, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's the story of Jesus. And when we focus on him, the perfect gift, it changes everything. Do you remember getting the perfect gift? Has there ever been something in your life that you wanted so bad when you think back to whether you were a kid or a teenager or as an adult, the blessing is easy for me to think about this because my wife and I were just able to move into a new home this week. We're super excited about it. God is just so good about those little things and the, he's, he's there and he cares about the big things and the little things and, and he was just there throughout the entire process and it was so easy to be thankful for that gift that, that he'd given or, or maybe you can think back to when you were a kid and you wanted that game system, you got that thing that you were hoping for under the Christmas tree and it was just, it set your day off. And it doesn't always have to be a big gift. Sometimes it's a little gift, right? It just matters who it was from. The first time you got a gift from that boy or from that girl or when your kid takes the time to make you something in the preschool or ministry or at school or whatever and you know they put a lot of time or thought into it. It may not be expensive, but it was the perfect gift because it met you right where you are and right where you needed. Or when someone brings the right word at the right time when you're feeling discouraged or frustrated or in a difficult place and someone brings the right word and just meets you right where you are and oh, it just touches your heart. It's the perfect gift. It can change your perspective on everything. I know for me, one of the things that changed my perspective is when I was a teenager and my dad finally gave me the keys to my first car. It was a 1993 Mercury Topaz. It wasn't exactly a thing of beauty, but it was beautiful to me. 
It couldn't go over 55 miles per hour or the engine would overheat, guaranteed. In fact, the overheating issue was such a serious issue that my dad had taken it to the mechanic before it was mine and the mechanic had said that the solution was gonna be a ginormous, extra strength, heavy duty radiator fan. When I started the car, it literally sounded like Southwest Airlines was in my front engine, right? Just I mean, it didn't matter how loud you turned the radio up, you were gonna hear that fan as you cruised down the road, just blasting air over the radiator. It didn't change anything. 55 miles per hour, the heat gauge just smoke out of the engine but it was my car. It was white with no tinted windows and red velour seating. It was pretty much a red velvet cupcake on wheels, just cruising. <laughs> it was my car, you know? And it, and it wasn't anything necessarily fancy, but I can promise you this, to me, it was special because it was better than a bike. And it got me from point A to point B on an engine. And when I went to the grocery store for the first time, I parked it way away from any other car. Do you remember that? You know, when it's your car, it's the first time, you don't want the door ding, let a, and you certainly don't want any shopping cart that has been misplaced, or someone thought they could just place it on the curb instead of putting it in the shopping cart bin, people, right? Um, or whatever it, whatever it may, a little bitterness there, I apologize, okay? Um, whatever it may be for you, but I parked that car way down and protected that thing and cruised with it, and I'd vacuum it out diligently when I got home, and I took care of that red velour seating and kept it fluffy and smooth, because it was the gift. You remember what that was like and how when you got that kind of gift, listen, when I had that car for the first time, I could just have shown up somewhere, and someone could have been teasing me or making fun of me or saying all kinds of terrible things to me. I could have got a bad grade at college on, the, on some sort of test score or whatever, but it didn't matter, because I could get in my car and drive away. I had the gift that I was looking for and it changed my outlook on so many of my circumstances because I had such a good gift. You see, it, the same thing happens to us spiritually. When we focus on the good gift of Jesus Christ and who he is, when you let that become your sole focus, it changes your perspective on all your circumstances. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossae in Colossians chapter two, it says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, you received him as your gift, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. If you have a pen this morning, I encourage you to underline that phrase, in him, because gratitude starts by living a life that is in him. What do you find in him? Did you see what it said in the scripture? The first thing you find in him is life. And what kind of life does he want for us? He doesn't want just the mediocre life or the ho-hum life. He wants the life and life in all of its fullness is what he calls us and believers into. He's, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life apart from him. And in him is where you find life. It's where you find purpose. It's where you find the fulfillment and joy and all things good come first and foremost from being in him. That's where it starts. And what happens? What does it mean to be in him? Well, when you're in him, what begins to happen is you begin to grow roots in him. And it's important to grow down roots in Christ, to grow down roots in your faith, to spend time in him, to start your day with him in, in his word or in prayer, to end your day with him, to be with him all throughout the day, to let your thought life turn into your prayer life, to be in him changes your perspective on all circumstances. Because when you're with him and you're focused on what he has done for you, that no matter what it is that you're going through, you're able to say, you know what? If you love me enough to come and die on the cross for me, then I know that you're gonna help bring me through this. In the same way, a tree, it's critical, you get this, to put down deep roots 
so that it might become sturdy so that when it goes through difficult things, it won't be toppled over. In another place in scripture, James uses the illustration that we, we as believers spiritually don't want to be like babes who walk out into the ocean and are tossed back and forth by the waves. And if you're the parent of a little one who is taken to the ocean, you get this illustration completely. When you take your little toddler and you take them out to the sand shore and the water rolls up to their toes the first time and they're excited, but they can barely walk. And so they venture out a little further and then that one wave rolls in that's about calf height and whoa, it's knocking them over and they sit down in their diaper and then there's sand on the diaper um, and, and you have that to deal with. But then you rush over and you pick them up because you weren't far away in the first place. But their eyes are filled with a little bit of caution and fear and yours are a little bit, you're a little bit scared too to see how they're going to respond. But you try not to show it because you're a good parent. And you want to encourage them, you want them to do whatever, but you get that idea of they aren't very sturdy when the waves come. In the same way, spiritually, God says, listen, if you aren't rooted in me, then when you do face circumstances, you're going to respond to habit instead of responding in the way that I love you. Instead of responding in the way that I would respond, you're going to respond in your natural response, your habit, your flesh. That's what you always turn to when you aren't in him. So you are living in him and then you're rooted in him. And when you find yourself rooted in him, then you're able to be built up in him because that's his ultimate goal for your life is to grow you up into leadership, to bring influence in your life, to let you live a life that's like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, producing all kinds of fruit, not for you and for your life necessarily, but for the enjoyment of all people around you. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He wants to see come out of your life. He wants to build you up. He wants to, you to experience the joy of being connected to him and connected to others without the fear of winter that is coming. And you see, a tree with deep roots that's been built up and is hardy and sturdy does not fear winter even when the leaves are falling off. Why? Because it knows spring is coming. And in the same way, spiritually, we have the opportunity to respond in gratitude no matter what the circumstances. When we're rooted in him and grown up in him, we don't have to fear difficult times because we know because of our faith in Jesus Christ that spring is always around the corner. It's coming and it changes your whole perspective when you are in him. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica. Oh, sorry, sorry, hold on. Let me back up on that. And when we're built up in him, then what does the, the scripture say that it does? It says then what happens is that you'll be rooted when you're rooted and you're built up in him, then you grow strong in your faith. You develop a confident hope in the things that you can't see. You may not see how this circumstance or how this tragedy is gonna work out for good, but you're able to hold on to the promise that God says that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, Romans 8, 28, because you are rooted in him. And you're able to say, I know this is hard, this is difficult, but I'm gonna come through it. How do I know that? Because I'm talking to him right now and he's telling me so. His word told me this morning, when I read from it in the scriptures and I know it's gonna say the same thing tonight and he sent a friend into my life who spoke the same word into my life, I know it's gonna be okay because he speaks to me every day. I don't fear the winter because I know spring is coming. And how is a strong faith demonstrated? What did it say at the end of that verse in Colossians? By a life that is overflowing with thankfulness. How do you know that you have a strong faith? If you are truly connected to Christ, it'll be evident in your gratitude no matter what the circumstances. It's so important to be able to choose a life of thankfulness no matter what's going on, no matter what happened this week, no matter who it was that said the wrong thing at the wrong time, no matter what kind of conflict you might find yourself in with that teenager or with that spouse or that loved one or that cousin or that brother or sister or that parent. You can choose to be thankful when you're focused on what Christ has done for you. It changes everything. You wanna show the maturity of your faith? 
it'll, it'll start with being able to, people being able to see it through your thankfulness no matter what the circumstances. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. He says this, rejoice always. Pray continually and don't miss this. I think it's one of the most important lines in all of scripture because we always ask ourselves, what is God's will for our lives? He lays it out right here. And give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's God's will for your life? To be a successful business person? To be able to be an entrepreneur and, and start your own business? To be able to uh, uh, be the perfect spouse or the perfect husband? No, not necessarily. He makes it clear here that what his will for your life is to be thankful in all circumstances, to rejoice always, to pray continually, and you will find a fulfilling life no matter what circumstances you find yourself in. And can you be blessed as a successful businessman or woman? Of course you can. Can you be blessed within your family? Absolutely. But ultimately, circumstances are always gonna turn for the worse in all of those circumstances because that's the way things go in this fallen, broken world. But he says, you will be able to demonstrate a life of gratitude when you're focused on me. And that's my will for you in Christ Jesus. And it's easy when you're focused on the perfect gift. The problem is, it becomes nearly impossible to live a life of gratitude when we focus on the imperfect gifts. And that's what we have to do. We have to be able to be grateful, not just for the perfect gift, but we have to be grateful for imperfect gifts. What are imperfect gifts? All of us. It's you and it's me. It's everyone else whose name's not Jesus Christ. He's the one who came and lived out the perfect example and loves us perfectly. And we all fall somewhere short of that. We're not perfect. We don't always say the right thing at the right time. We don't always do the right thing at the right time. We hurt each other. We get involved and sometimes we listen to that flesh and sometimes we fall, we fall short because we're imperfect. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We all mess up. Imperfect things happen and if we're not careful, if we lose our focus on him, then the imperfect gifts, our relationships with other people can derail us from a mindset of gratitude. It's like me with that car. Do you, I mean, I, I was so thankful for that car, but I don't want to tell you how I responded the first time it got its first scratch. It wasn't good, right? And of all the things and all the joys and all the things that it helped me be able to get from point A to point B and be able to go and the freedoms were lost when someone scratched it, wondering who it was and why this vile old person would do this. And it, and it began to, to grow new roots in me, roots of frustration, roots of bitterness, roots of anger over a scratch because I lost sight of the precious gift that it was to have a car in the first place. And that all good and perfect gifts come from heaven above. And that God had provided it for me and that if I'm not thankful and if I don't continue to allow him to own all things that I have on this earth, then there's no blessings for it in the life to come. The only blessing there is is what you have in this life and God says you have the ability as believers to live for something so much more. You know, we just moved into a new house this week and we're excited about that. And we were so pumped. We just got settled in this week over Thanksgiving week, which was a little crazy, but we moved in and everything was new to us at least. And we're getting settled and unpacking boxes. You might remember what that's like. And we move all the kids in and they were a big help. And we finally got everything kind of situated just the way it was. And we had our first night in the house this week. And we brought the kids home and the dogs home and we went to sleep that night. And it was just, we were so thankful. I was like, God, you're just, you're just so good. Thank you for providing for this and allowing this and working all the details out. You're just so good. And we went to bed with just smiles on our faces practically until about three o'clock in the morning when we heard one of the dogs beside the bed just <laughs> all the gratitude went right out the window. 
I said to my wife, we got to get rid of the dogs. We just do. They just have to go. I, said, I, I like, I like them, but that, I mean, and of course I was speaking from the flesh and we got up and cleaned it there at three o'clock in the morning. It was like, you know what? Finally, it's a, it's a home. The dogs just christened it for us, you know? had to change your perspective and be grateful. And it was difficult, and I wish I had that much of a spiritual response in the moment. I didn't, right? It was like, oh, is it your turn or my turn? <laughs> kind of thing. It's my turn. Get up, clean it, right? Go back to bed and have to get your heart right again. Be careful not to let when that imperfect thing happens, when that thing gets challenged, to change your mindset. It's the same thing that happens to us too. When we, get, when we allow all of our joy to come from earthly relationships, that are ultimately going to let us down and we get disconnected from his love for us, it will change our perspective on a dime. So what do we need to do with the relationships around us and the differences that are there? Well, we need to be able to, first of all, rejoice for each other's differences. You were probably around a lot of different people this week who have a lot of different personalities. And for many cases, it was probably a big challenge in a lot of different scenarios. But the thing that's good is, is that we can remember that God made us different for a reason because he's good and he's made a variety of us. And there is no other Mark Miller who thinks the way I do and acts exactly the way that I do because why? Because I'm great? No, because God is great. He's made us all unique and different. It confirms that in Genesis 1:27 when it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Isn't it good to know that God in his image created, he, God in his goodness made us in his image. And that's our commonality, that we have been made in his image with the capacity to be connected to him and connected to each other in a powerful way. But he made us different. It's good to know that he made guys and girls different. I see this all the time in the way that even my wife and I raise our kids, that she brings different things in a relationship with them and with, with each other, and I bring different things in them. And we, it's different. She does things not always the way that I would do them, and I don't always do the things that she would, the way that she would do them, but we learn to appreciate the fact that God made us different for a reason. And is it, is it challenging in some cases? Of course it is. But I was reminded of the possible humor for this and the fact of, of being able to rejoice in each other's differences of that there was even a time where uh, we were doing some premarital counseling, my wife and I were for a couple here at the church. And it was, uh, it was one of the first couples that we had done premarital counseling for. And we were talking through it with them and talking about being able to rejoice in each other's differences. And my wife was able to say to the bride, she looked at him and she said, listen, let me tell you one of the best advices I can give you. When he's loading the dishwasher, and he does it all the wrong way. Just let him. At least he's doing it. This was the first time I found out I was loading the dishwasher the wrong way. <laughs> but her point was, listen, if he's doing it and he's out of love, don't squelch that. You can maybe over time show him this and that on how to do this and what your preferences are, but rejoice in the fact that he's doing it. He's different. He thinks about it differently. It may not be the right way, but it is a way and he's doing it out of love. Rejoice in each other's differences. How many relationships hit a snag or fall apart because of the way we squeeze the toothpaste or the way the toilet paper hangs, which is only over the top, right? Come on, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but how many relationships fall apart on something meaningless because we get focused on imperfect things and we lose focus on the perfect gift, Jesus Christ? and what we have in him, and we're being able to be reminded that everything on this world won't last, and we have an opportunity to invest into the heavenly kingdom here or invest in the earthly kingdom. You get to choose. It's the beauty of God's love for you is you get to choose. Choose to be grateful. Stop expecting people to change, and instead change your mind 
and choose to be thankful for each other's differences. Listen to what Paul said to the church in Rome. He said, accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in the middle of your sin, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God, the ultimate goal is to bring praise to God in our relationships. And in order to do that, we have to be able to rejoice in the differences that are there. Now, does that mean when we rejoice in each other's differences that we need to be able to accept each other's bad habits? No, not at all. That we have to be able just to endure and say, you know what, they are that way and I just need to accept that. No, what we need to do is we need to pray for each other's differences too. We rejoice in them. We recognize that God made them different. We do things differently. We respond to things differently. We recognize that each other have bad habits, but we don't necessarily have to change each other. We can choose to pray for each other. We have to let the Lord bring in his goodness to the relationship. You see, I think that Adam understood when Eve was brought to him that there was the capacity for something special in that relationship. Because God had brought before Adam all the other animals. And yet when God looked at Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. On some level, he wasn't alone. He had the companionship of all of creation. And yet God recognized that in his heart, something was missing, the capacity to be connected with someone in a powerful way. And so this is what happens in Genesis chapter 2, 22 through 23. And I can almost just see Adam just pop out of a slumber almost as he recognizes that there's something different here. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, whoa, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. He says, man will never be alone again because God brought me something to satisfy something in me that he recognized I needed, the capacity to be connected. Was Eve the same as him? No, she was different, but he recognized there's something, there's an opportunity for something special here. We may all be imperfect, but because of a perfect God, we have the capacity in all of our relationships, the ones that are excellent right now and the ones that are struggling, to be able to experience something special when we let God in. You see, what we tend to want to do is to want to change each other to change each other's habits. We get married to someone in premarital counseling, we face this all the time where we come to a couple and it's like, oh, I'm confident they'll change that once they get married. No, it doesn't necessarily work that way. In many cases, it actually gets worse. The thing that you, it begins to become amplified, that thing that you, that you thought that you would just be able to change once, once you got married. So you need to not have that mindset. You need to be committed to praying for each other. You need to be committed to walking through those things. But in reality, the, 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 real, the real goal that we want to do is not to change behavior. Yes, of course, you could start leaving sticky notes everywhere, little reminders for him to take out the trash or do this or do that. And you could maybe nag uh, her to do this or remember that or make sure that this is ready when you get home or whatever or, or when she gets home that you could do these things and you could modify each other's behavior. We can even do this with our kids. We can modify their behavior and we can make them change the way they act on the outside, but only God can change a heart. Only he can change someone from the inside. And so if you're in conflict with someone, stop trying to change their behavior and let God do what only he can do and change their heart. And how does he change their heart? He wants to use you to be a part of that life change by being committed to pray for them. Pray for their differences. Pray over them. You don't have to accept their bad habits, but you can love them in spite of them. You can rejoice in their differences and you can choose and commit to get on your knees and pray for them. And if you've got a teenager who's rebelling against you, if you've got a child who is not a teenager yet and who is with you, let me encourage you as a parent to get on your knees every day and pray that God will tenderize their heart. Because only he can do that, that when you do disappoint, when you do correct, when you do bring instruction in their life, that their heart will be at a place where they're ready to receive it. And that he'll do what only he can do.
because otherwise we're only changing behavior. And then what it leads to is it leads more to resentment and bitterness and frustration in relationships when we're modifying behaviors, but God's not involved and he's not changing the heart and the process. Listen to what Paul said to the church in 1 Timothy 2.1. He said, I urge you, first of all, to pray for what? Pray for all people. Remember, the church was under great persecution at this time. Ask God to help them. It reminds me when Christ said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If they were connected to your love right now, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Can we have that mindset towards the people that we're in conflict with to begin to invest into a heavenly kingdom and not an earthly kingdom, be able to accept rejection and return love because they know not what they do. And if they were connected to God's love, they might act differently. And we recognize that the only picture of love of God's love they may be seeing is what you choose to show them. We gotta change our mindset and choose to pray. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. And this last line is so critical, and give thanks for them. For all people, find a way to give thanks to them. Thank God that they're in your life. How are we able to do that? How can a person give thanks for someone who is causing so much pain and heartache in your life because you're focused on him, in him, and you recognize that in his goodness, if he has allowed this relationship in your life, it is about his ultimate purpose of bringing good into your life, and you trust him. It's hard, it's difficult, it's painful. It doesn't mean that he likes what they did to you, but he is a good and faithful God, and he will still work it together for good in your life if you'll let him. You can choose to be thankful because he loves you. It's what he is. He's a good, good God. And that enables us to be able to give thanks for each other's differences. Not just rejoice and accept in them, but to be able to give thanks for each other's differences. Paul in his, almost all of his letters to the churches started with something like this in Philippians when he said to them, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Was the church acting perfectly? No, not at all. Were they making some big time mistakes that Paul was gonna address? Was he gonna come with some exhortation? Was he disappointed in some of the things he had heard that they were doing and seen that they had done? Of course he was. But yet he started with the letter of saying, let me first make sure that you know that I pray always with joy for you. What a challenge for us to be able to think about the people in our life who we're in conflict with and begin to pray prayers of joy for them. God, thank you that you've brought them into my life. I don't understand why and what they're doing is hurtful, but I know you're good and I trust you. Help me to be thankful for them, to love them, and to let you accomplish your good work in my life. Man, would that change the way that we treat each other. Man, would that change that person's perspective on God's love for them. We have to be able to give thanks for each other despite our differences, out of reverence for Christ. The Bible says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When we're committed to how much God loves us, doesn't mean that what people do to us is okay. And you have a good, good father who's got your back. Vengeance is his, he says, not ours. Our job is to love them the way that Christ loved us. To lay down our lives for each other is what he says. I think Adam understood this. And at the end, we see, at the end of this conversation between him and the Lord and Eve, we see what I think is one of the best verses in all of scripture. In Genesis 2.25, it says this, that Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now you might be saying, Mark, that's kind of a weird scripture to say that is your favorite scripture of the whole Bible. But I'll tell you this, here's why I think it is. 
Here's why I think this is such a great passage and why it sums up what we're talking about here today is because here's Adam and Eve in this relationship and it says they were naked and they felt no shame. You know why I believe that they were naked and there was no shame? It's because there was not an ounce of selfishness in their relationship. Sin hadn't entered their relationship yet. They were completely others-centered and thus they were able to be completely vulnerable in front of another. They weren't just naked in front of each other physically, but spiritually and emotionally. They were able to be completely open in front of another and there was no shame because there was no selfishness. What is it that ultimately brings turmoil and tragedy into all of our relationships? Selfishness on your side or on their side, typically on both sides, but it comes down to someone putting themselves before them, before the other person. And in Adam and Eve's case, what we see here before sin into the world, they were able to be completely vulnerable before one another and there was no shame. You know what this is a picture of? Heaven. Can I just end with this illustration and get you with me for a second to take you to heaven, to be able to hopefully let it settle with you as a reason to be grateful today. Why is heaven gonna be so great? Well, let's just go with that relationship, that guy-girl relationship that we see Adam and Eve having there. Do you remember your first kiss. Do you remember it? That moment when he leans in or she leans in, and I'm of course talking about something that was God honoring and a God honoring situation, and, and, and he's leaning in, he's not sure if there's gonna be rejection, she's a little unsure, whatever, you've been dating for a while, but this is, you know this is a new step in your relationship, and then, and then, something happens. There's a spark. It may have been even before that you felt that for the first time. The first time that he or she reached over or somehow your hands passed by each other and you had just been friends that moment and you've been talking boyfriend and girlfriend and then there was the hand grab. And there's that moment of fulfillment and excitement of whatever of where you know your relationship just went from here to here. And it's something exciting, but it's not just limited to that relationship. It's in best friend relationships. It's in father-son relationships. It's in parent-to-kid relationships and kids-to-parent relationships when you're able to see your relationship go from one stage to the next. Someone does something loving for you that you know that they wouldn't have done if you had just met and you just go, I'm on a new place with this person. And it just connects with you. It's awesome. You get those woo moments. That first time when they hold your hand and it's woo. Then there's that first kiss and it's woo. And then you get married and inside of God's plan for marriage, there's the honeymoon night and it's woo! As you see your relationship continue to move towards new closeness and there's new levels of excitement. You think the relationship couldn't get any better, but if you continue to honor God with your life, you've maybe seen a relationship that only gets better. Let me tell you something, that's heaven. That's heaven. That's why I'm so excited about heaven and I can't wait for heaven because I'll get to leave this sinful flesh behind and all of its sinful temptations and I'll get to know you better and you better and we'll get to grow together, get to know each other better every single day, get to know God better every single day and there will not be a single boring day in heaven because we will only ever move towards continued closeness with him and with each other. That's what it's about. That's where we're going. That's what God is calling us home to and it's what we have the opportunity to bring from heaven to earth today by the choice to be thankful in all circumstances. And when you stay connected to him, it's easy to be thankful. But when we focus on our relationships and we let that be the source of our fulfillment, then we get disconnected from his love. Let's live out heaven every day here on earth by choosing to be first and foremost connected to him and let him build our connections in all relationships. Don't give up on a single relationship. I know that person may have hurt you and what they did is not right and we're not trying to make it right. But I promise you, God is good. And he promises to work all things together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purposes. Put your trust in him, 
not in them. And it'll change all your perspectives. Let's pray. God, we love you. And because we love you, God, because of what you did for us, we choose to be thankful. God, help us to honor you with our choices. And if we are in conflict with someone, God, right now, if there are some roots of bitterness in our lives or frustration or hurt, God, I pray that you would be able to encourage us and strengthen us because of the hope that we have in you to be able to release those things, to uproot those things and choose to be thankful for those people. Not saying that what they did is okay, but being able to recognize that you're a good, good God who has a good, good plan for our life and you work all things together for good. We love you. We wanna continue to honor you with our choices. God, help us to choose to be grateful. Help us to resist falling into old habits and let you renew us, change us from the inside out. God, do what only you can do. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.